favorite of Darshanim, uh, every, every single show rabbi, I guess, and person who comes to give a, uh, a, a lecture on Parshas Korah, really in a certain sense is talking about himself. He's talking about uh, the nature of, of authority, the nature of obedience. Um, and that's why, really, there's a very rich uh, literature uh, from the Sifrei Drush and Parshas Korach. Uh, I, I, the there's a, quite a bit of Arachayim in Korach, the same way all the Mepharshim really, um, and probably even Rashi, uh, really becomes quite verbose if you take a look at Parshas Korach. He actually starts his uh, parish uh, with a very um, uh, distinctive uh, statement. The parish in Parshas Korach starts with you know, Rashi's giving you the okay. He tells you, and again, this is he says on page 820, This Parsha is very wonderfully expounded upon in, in the Medrash of Tanchuma. Uh, usually Rashi doesn't give, tell you how, how great, you know. And then Rashi gives you chunks of the Medrash Tanchuma throughout. Um, and some of them are really startling. Uh, some of the statements that Rashi quotes here about, and uh, it's, it's, it's very rich and deep. I actually want to, uh, uh, I want to begin uh, in a backwards way today, sort of a, uh, a way that was, somebody actually raised this question to me yesterday, and I thought it would be a good way to really start, because we, again, there's a, then we'll go back to some of the normative questions, the usual questions people ask, and do a couple pieces of our time. I want to start with a question that someone raised to me, and I have to tell you that, that, um, this is a method which I think is sort of like a backdoor way to getting a handle on the parsha, and that is literally to look at the Haftorah. To look at the Haftorah, and from the Haftorah sort of say, well, why is this the Haftorah of the parsha, and what is the idea, therefore, that, uh, that we're trying to make? So I, I just want to... Uh, yeah, well, oh, you heard me speaking about this. But no, oh, I mean, right, uh, you thought it was? Okay, that, again, so this is, this is what I really wanted to... To, to, I wanted to suggest what Gary is saying. But everybody, let's look at the Haftorah. The Haftorah is on page... Um, one more time, please. 
under the leadership of Shaul HaMelech. Shaul's first success as a king was gathering everyone and, um, and winning this war. And uh, as, as, as Shmuel said, we're going to be Nechadesh Shom HaMelech. Now that you saw what it could happen, you had a king. He had already anointed Shaul a little bit earlier. But now that Shaul had actually, get, had actually through him, they had won this war, he wanted to go to Gilgal and he wanted to really instate Shaul. And now that people with, with will and love would, would accept Shaul in Gilgal. And then Shmuel, instead of like allowing this party normally where, oh, it's great and we foresee a great period for Shoal. Shmuel goes, goes back to something that he was grousing about a couple of prokem uh, earlier in Sefer Shmuel, which is why did you even want a king in the first place? In other words, um, I did what you wanted and here he is, here's the king see Pesach Bey, he says, here's the Melech and he's doing what you want and here I am, Zakanti, I'm old Medrash says that he was, yeah, we all know that he was only 52 when he died, so he was probably around 50 at this time, less than a little bit over 50. And he says, I'm already, I feel age. He says, here I am. Um, um, and he, once again, he tells them, I want everybody now to tell me that I, was I, that was I guilty of any graft? Plus a gimel. Did I take anyone's, uh, as you can see the English here, did I take anyone's ox, donkey, um, did, I any, did I do violence to anyone, did I ever, have I ever uh, heard been paid off, did I ever look the other way? Uh, and of course they all answer, no, never done anything like that. And then he goes on in Pasakei and says, let God be a witness here. Um, and you're a king that you've never had anything against me. And they all said, yes. We testify, yes, this is definitely true. Um, so, uh, Gary said something now which someone said to me in Shul that, well, obviously this is the connection because Moshe Rabbeinu makes a very similar speech to Korach. No, not to Korach, but to Dosan, but to Dosan and Aviram. Uh, if we look at that speech in the context Oh, okay, you're right. Technically, it was a response to what Dawson Laviram had done, but it was, you're right, it was, it was sort of like spoken to the heavens. Um, and if we look at that on um, page 824, you can see that, uh, well, we can read the last phrase of Dawson Laviram. I'll do the Rashi translation, which is, oh, art scroll follows Rashi here. Even if you would gouge out the eyes of these men. Now there's page 824, the very top line there. It's actually Pusik Yuntal. It says, even if, they would, even if our eyes would be gouged out, we would not go up. We hate this man. This man is, as, as I said before, he's... Uh, He's ruined everybody's life here. And here Moshe gets upset by Yikram Moshe Ma'od, and he says to Hashem, Gary, again, you're correct here, uh, uh, but 
says, don't, uh, don't take their mincha. Rashi says an amazing comment here, what that means, that, that even though every single Jew had a portion in the korbonos, and it was done through the matzashekel, the, the magic of the matzashekel, was able to sort of allow every yochid to become part of this tzibur, then the tzibur would buy the animal and that would become everyone's animal, not just as a shutif, but actually you're part of the tzibur. Moshe said that the infantess, a very small amount of the animal, that is the representation of Dos and Babiram, shouldn't be burnt by the fire of God. That the fire of God should burn everything except some portion, and that should be the portion only God knew that was really the part that Dos and Babiram would have in the animal. Um, sort of like the ultimate way to, to, to emphasize you're not part of the Tzibur. Even though the Machzah Shekel creates a Tzibur, you're not part of the Tzibur. You might give given the Machzah Shekel, you might think this is your carbon. No, don't allow them to have anything to do with the, 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 the Tzibur. And then he speaks about himself. He says, Lo chamarachan mehem nasosi, lo hariosi es achad mehem. I didn't take one donkey from them, and I've never done anything bad uh, to any of them or through any of them. Um, now, Rashi again tells us that what does it mean? I didn't take a donkey from them. So Rashi says that even when, um, let's see here on page 824, first column, he says, In other words, it wasn't my job. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I, I was, I, it's not my want to do it. God wants me to be the agent for the Jews. So I should really, my expense, I should have really sent my expense accounts to the seaboard. I mean, I had to take this trip, and I had to refresh my donkey, and I had to maybe get a new one, and I had to water this one. All that stuff, I, that would have been, wouldn't it, that should have been something I should have charged uh, to the company. I mean, that's something that I'm doing for them. Yet I never did that. I, I, I've never seen this as a way for me to benefit. Of course, I gave whatever I could of myself. Um, uh, the Rachaim has some very you know, important comments on this, which, which, which we'll get to in a little bit later. But this, Gary is theorizing, is why we read the Haftorah. Now, does that mean the Haftorah feels this is a very important element of Moshe's response uh, and, and, and for our understanding of Parshish Korach. Well, maybe it is, and it does tell you the selflessness of what a leadership is, that, that, that Moshe is saying that you know, let's take a look, I'll show you the Archaim and you'll see how we can put this into perspective if this is true. Uh, I'm going to suggest something different, but if you take a look in the Archaim the Archaim on that process of not taking a Hamor Okay, let's take a look here where he says. Okay, you got it there, Jan. Good. Well, that's where it starts. We're actually gonna. Well, we're gonna. Um, 
if you take a look at um, on page Samach Gimel, he says on uh, page Samach Gimel, you'll see where he says. Um, Fourth line of first column. Of the first column, he said. Oh, no, second line. Im yera, im yera ebe nehem lahafkia skusa mimenu. If God sees, if a, if a tzaddik sees that he wants to uh, eliminate the merit of a certain person, yesh kolach biyadam. In other words, even though Dalsam Baviram had given, let's say, for the Beis Hamikdosh. And they have a right to be getting the benefit of God, and they've done mitzvot, perhaps. A tzaddik has a right to eliminate that. And he compares this, we find a similar thing that throughout the generations, that if Bezdin decides they don't like the way you uh, instituted Kedushin, they don't like the way the fact that you forced this woman to marry you by hanging her up on a tree. More talks about that. So you, right? you hang her up on a tree until she finally says, "Okay, I'll marry you already." So the Gemara says that we have a, the Bezdin has an ability to destroy that kedushin, even though technically she agreed. So Bezdin does that by saying the money that was given was not your money, because the only way you could actually marry someone is by giving her something of value. So Bezdin has a right to reach to basically go into your valut. Uh, I mean, this is the whole argument against slavery, right? Against the Emancipation Proclamation. What right that Lincoln have to, to decree that we don't own property? Besnick can sometimes decide that you don't have ownership on something, even though the rights of this world give you the right to have that. That was your money. We don't like what you did. We, in many situations, can say, Hefker, Besnick, Hefker. So therefore, we find a similar thing that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to say, I don't care on one level you have these rights, I've decided that you don't deserve that, and we are eliminating that. And then he says, which is an interesting take on Hefker Bezdin Hefker, which is a principle we find all through the Talmud. Why was Moshe so... Why did Moshe have... Why did they need to die in such a uh, horrible way, in a way that was so amazing? Now, in Lutzad Sinosim also, if it was because they hated him so much, that doesn't mean, just because they hate Moshe so much and so horribly, that doesn't mean that they need to be so removed. And in fact, and this is sort of what somebody in Shul was telling me yesterday, uh, if somebody, um, someone could say, he thinks he protests too much. Someone could say, what's going on here? Why is Moshe reacting? It sounds like maybe they struck a chord there. I mean, if they said this, maybe Moshe has some of it. Meaning some sort of selfishness and some sort of nepotism and some sort of attempt to do something for himself. Maybe he's not exactly the picture that doesn't have Yerman but maybe they touched something over there. Therefore, again, Gary, you're correct. He says in front of God, 
He makes his case in front of Hashem and says, there's a reason why these people are totally guilty. And the first thing he says is, you know that what they're saying has no, and I know, has no truth whatsoever. It can't be that I really am here just to push my agenda and to amass power. Even if it's not about the money, it's about the power and the control over the millions of people. It can't be that it's my power trip and I've made decisions that really weren't Hashem's decision. And there's elements of what I did that I said it was Hashem, it was really me, to push my agenda. That can't be. And the proof is, look at, what I, look at my life. Every king uses expediency to take what he needs from the people because for the greater good. Especially things which, like he says, are for the people's comfort, for helping the people. I need this. Every king will do this. So he says, So obviously, so obviously they are wrong. In other words, this is the proof that I'm not a out for power. And clearly, therefore, the whole thing is a stack of cards that he's just knocked down. Now, whether that's a good enough proof or not, because you, you could see someone will never take anything in this physical world for himself, but still enjoys the power and the obedience and the fact that people are listening to him. Thurachim is saying, if it was somewhat about Moshe, you would have seen the fingerprints. You would have seen the evidence. You would have seen some place where Moshe, the pencils, right? I, I remember a great story I read in the biography. I didn't read the biography, but it was sort of like the biography of, of Lucille Ball, that she owned the Desilu Studios. You know, that those of us that are old enough remember that was the most popular of the television studios of the day. All the great shows were made by Desi Lu. And Desi, of course, that's her name, Lucy. Um, she used to, but when she left, she was, she was like one of the most powerful women in, 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 in America at the time. She ran the most successful television studio. And she would, every day, as she was leaving, she would go to stay late and take pencils from from her desks and like they found a whole bunch of these pencils that she would people would see her taking these pencils because this is you know, I, you know this is my thing you know it's like um, there's this cronkite people have there's a certain sickness cronkite but the uh, the point is is that uh, Moshe if you're if you're totally nucky from that then obviously it's not about you okay so that is the Rechaim's take on that posse. Now, if that's the main theme, going with what Gary is saying, and what other people are saying, that the Haftorah, that's the main thing the Haftorah wants us to connect to, because Shmuel said that also, it's a little bit strange, because if we look back on the Haftorah, back, at, back on 1186, I mean, it doesn't seem that Shmuel was ever being uh, a 
accused of that sort of running the show. In fact, Shmuel wasn't the king, and Shmuel, right? So it's sort of strange that Moshe Rabbeinu, yes, Gary might be right, Moshe Rabbeinu says to God, you know this is not about me, because I've never taken anything. Shmuel is actually saying it. I want everyone to admit that I was a good judge, and I did my job properly, and it doesn't sound like Shmuel's in the same situation at all. Um, and, and, and if that... I, I don't deny that that's a very strong point in well, our part. You're saying, you know, you made me, uh, you made me uh, appoint this king, but I never did you any harm. Why, you know, why did you force me to do this? It's almost like you didn't trust me to be the leader of the generation. You needed someone else. Okay, so then let's focus one second. So now it's no longer about his statement about Hamor. You're changing your point now. But he's bringing the same proof. That, that, you no, know, no, 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 no. That's a proof that... That's just a proof that he was a man of integrity and that he had done his job well. So, so why do you need someone else? You know, you, you, you insisted on being a funny shovel. Right. And, uh, and now he's sort of... What did I do to you that, that made you uh, uh, go away from me and, and, and demand someone else? Well, I don't know. Again, I think that was sort of hashed out earlier where they said, we want a king yeah. that will go in front of us and be just like all the other nations. Now Shmuel, again, Shmuel's sort of like, he's saying, you know, he's sort of like still upset. You know, so he can't deal with the, he can't deal with the facts. And he says, no, I'm still mad that you guys don't want me, and I was so good. Um, I don't know. That, to me, I think that would be a, uh, you know, I, I don't know, it's a disservice to Shmuel. I, I don't know exactly. It sounds to me that uh, there might be another angle here. Um, and he's sort of like, like venting and saying, and they're not even talking about it. And they say, yeah, Shmuel, of course you're fine. We wanted a king, and you're not a king. You, you said yourself you're not a king. Um, right, but again, that is a, that's a different part. That Shmuel gives them a great description. That's not what we read here. We're reading this. And again, I don't want to make too much of it, because I think it's a literary device. I don't think... You know, we need all the devices we can to help us with these parishes. And this is an, an, another example. But when I started dealing with this man's question, not Gary's, but the person who came to me, Joel, who thought that was the, that was the idea, I started looking a little bit further. Why don't we read just a little bit further here uh, in Shmuel's comments? I think right away, and then it hit me, the very next Pusik, Pusik Vav, on page 1186. Hashem who made Moshe and Aram. And then took your forefathers out of Egypt. I now want there to be a judgment between you and Hashem. Let's go all the great things Hashem did. As Kotz Dokos Hashem. All the great things Hashem has done for you and your forefathers. When Yaakov, the whole Jewish people with Yaakov came. Hashem sent Moshe and Aaron and he took them out of Egypt. And they placed you in this place. Moshe and Aaron, although they died in the desert, they are the ones that brought you here to Eretz Yisrael. They're the ones that gave you, not Yehoshua, they brought you here. So I was thinking, first of all, who's saying this? Shmuel Hanavi. Shmuel, of course, as we know, 
uh, is the descendant of Korach. Shmuel, in fact, Rashi tells us in this parasha, is part of why Korach believes he's right, because he says, I'm, Rashi says, a no hitato. His Ruch HaKodesh caused him to say, wow, in my crystal ball, I see that Shmuel is going, is, is my descendant. And Shmuel, Shmuel is, he's the, he's the person who, who, who he's the lint, he's the, he's the one who really saves Klai Yisrael, he's the one who really gives the whole format, the, the formation of Klai Yisrael, what Klai Yisrael is going to be about. He's the one who, right? So, it can't be that I am nothing. I mean, I've got a, I'm the Zayda of Shmuel. I'm Shmuel Zayda. So, uh, can you imagine if that's Shmuel, you know, I must be the, the one who's going to come out of this. I mean, Aaron's going to die, is what Rashi says. Even though Moshe told Korach, and the way Rashi learns shot, that Moshe, without saying it openly, was clearly implying only one man standing at the end, Korach thought it was going to be him, because he figured, well, Shmuel is my descendant. And plus other things that he saw of his children and other things that he saw, his greatness. He says, you know, this is my time. This is my moment. And um, Shmuel is the one who's actually saying to the Jewish people, it's Hashem made Moshe and Aaron. Hashem made them. It's a very strange term. Hashem made Moshe and Aaron. And then Hashem sent them and they brought you out, Right? Which is really, once again, Korach is saying, Korach is not denying, unlike the Miracle, Korach isn't really denying the power of God. He isn't saying that, that God hates us. He's not saying, Korach, at least in terms of the Psukim, although Hashem, Korach, Moshe keeps on saying, This is really an attack on God. It's not about me. Korach, at least in his speeches and in his, uh, his, his, his campaign, in his Lutzanos that he does in order to get you know, a, a whole bunch of Jewish people with him. Um, and we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes, how, how many people he was successful in, in converting to his cause. But it was always Moshe and Aaron. It was always Moshe and Aaron. Them, them, them. When it wasn't Moshe, it was Aaron. It wasn't Aaron, it was Moshe. That was his mode of attack. Um, the, um, you know, and, and, and there are, as Darachayim points out, that uh, Korach actually said, I mean, okay, Aaron's a nice guy, but we've got plenty of people as good as Aaron. Right? This is what the Rechaim tells us as part of what Korach was saying. Um, again, I, you don't really need the Rechaim for this, but since this is a class in the Rechaim, I do want to, I do want to read as many passages as possible so he shouldn't have tainas on me and say, you bring people to my class for my Torah, and then you go and you say your own stuff. Okay, come on. Can't do that. I said, no, Rebbe, it's, you know, it's based on you. you know, I, I, you're my inspiration. No, seriously, Rechaim informs a lot of what we do here. As Chaim will tell you, that we've done the Rechaim here many years, so it's, uh, I don't want to repeat exactly the same thing every year. Um, anyway, the Rechaim uh, uh, deals with um, a question. He says that... Um, let's find it here. Page Samach Aleph. I got another one here. Okay. Oh, In other words, uh, if you take a look, and again, let's keep one. Let's keep 
our handy uh, little blue uh, bookmark on 1186, and then go back to uh, Parshas Korach. In the very beginning, um, Moshe Rabbeinu responds to Korach and says, okay, tomorrow you'll see what's going to happen. Uh, and he says, the... Um, He says, um, on page 822, he says, And he'll, he'll he, that person uh, will already be drawn close, or will be drawn close. The one that he chooses, he'll draw close. Obviously, anyone who reads that post succeeds that it's repetitive, right? It already says, and then it says again, obviously the Holy One, the one that's Him, is the one He's choosing. So why does Hashem need to repeat that? So that's Norachim's uh, question that He starts out with. And He said, There's, uh, that they really have uh, a two-fold complaint against Korach. Against Moshe Aaron. Who says Aaron is so great? There are people better than him. So the second thing was maybe you want to make a case that he has something nobody else has, but why should it be him alone? There should be others that he'll do one week someone else will do a different week maybe they'll do some stuff together why should it be this one guy one man representing us exclusively so therefore the Rechaim says that's what Moshe was saying you're saying there's someone better than our own I'm saying Pirish Asher Mizuman Aaron is someone from the beginning of creation that was meant to do this job. It wasn't based, right? He really was God's person. Before you were really created, you were to Hashem. Before you were actually formed and things happened to you in the womb that confirm what you were going to be. Our own soul, our own, the person, was meant for that. He was as a share low. Meant for what? Meant to be the Kohen. Okay. He says there, well, again, Muzuman Lo Maybe not, again, to be the one that would be, and the, again. He doesn't say the word for him. Okay. You want to say that Avodah Hashem, he is Beteva he is for Avodah Hashem. Okay. It's a good point. Then what's Kadosh? As a Kadosh. Don't get the question that would come up in the Aaron was not. Well, here is exactly. But well, this week's part. Well, again, the, the Avodas Hashem of the Bechorim, and this is really part of what's a little bit murky. 
is that according to Chazal, the Bechorim were the ones, the firstborns were the ones who at the time of, of Sinai were shechting the Karbonos and they were assuming, right, they were the ones the Torah says that by Yahu Olot in Parshish Mishpatim it says they brought Karbonos who was the one that was doing that? Was it just everybody? Was it just a free for all, right? So Chazal tells us it was the Bechorim the Bechorim had always assumed that would be their role and perhaps they, in a certain sense of Mitzrayim you know, Mitzrayim gave them that, that, that sense of of greatness, the, the feeling that they had, and therefore, at the time of Matan Torah, they were the ones serving and saying, "Okay, bring those carbonos here. We're going to be Mala the Olot." That's what Chazal tells us. The Bechorim are actually the Ovidim. Now, but Jan, what happened though was that when the system worked itself out, it separated it into Levim and Kohanim. So, technically, you're right. Yes, the Bechorim felt, but their service was not as was, was, was what was more to, was more complete than the way we have it, which is the Kohanim do a certain element that the Levium, as this week's Parsha points out, have no right to touch at all. They're going to be Chayv Mis if they even begin to go there. When it was the when the Bukhar, it, 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 it's, it's a little bit of a misstatement to say the Bukharim were the Kohanim. It wasn't re- there really weren't Kohanim the way we have it. The, the, the job of Levia and Kahuna was sort of like mesh, was, was sort of like melded together. Part of what our system has is that the Levium have a, a very important role, but it's not what the Kohanim do, and the Kohanim really are something above that. So I think what the Bechorim did, you know, the Bechorim wanted. You're right, and and Mefarsha who say that many of Korach's group were the Bechorim, they wanted to return back to that sort of more amorphous type of situation and again it could be that's part of what uh, the Rakhine is saying well so we'll see see this might be again the, the misconception again that might be the Levian as we know in Parshas Bamidbar the idea that there's going to be the, the every family is going to have someone that represents God Every family is going to have someone who serves in the Beis Hamikdash as a guard, as a uh, provider, as a symbol. But the special sense of what a Kohen can do, of making that connection, of bringing the chef of Kedusha, of being that instrumentality of that—that's something which even the Bechorim would, would be would, would, would be denied to them. Yes, they would be, in a sense, the Levian, and that could have still happened. It's only in Parshas Bamidbar that we really had the this, this switch from the Bechorim uh, to the Levian. But the Kahuna wasn't part of that. The Kahuna was something that, amazingly, it was, yes, isn't that a great coincidence? It was Aaron, it was Moshe's brother, but Aaron is really, that element that he has is something that is not just a knockoff. So you really could have had, Jan, that you really see in Parshas Bamidbar, that's not in the Archaim here, you could have had Aaron being the Kohen, and the Bechorim doing the Levian type job. And therefore, what he's saying is, is that, that there's Mizuman, Asher Lo. What does it mean, the Es HaKadosh? The Rachaim goes on. Pirsh Akar Sheyotze Le'olam, Kidesh Atzmo, V'osa Atzmo, Kli Roy, L'Sharis B'Kodesh. Therefore, and this, by the way, is very interesting, because it, it, it's against Rashi. Because, let me just repeat what Archim just said. There's Asher Lo, that, 
that it's his. It's his. There's certain people because of their nishamas, because of who they are, they are just holier. They are holier is not the word I want to use here, but they are connected to God. They've got a special purpose, and they are the ones that, from God's original plan and creation for who they were from way before the womb, they were meant to be that. But Aaron actually is a combination, not only as Hashir Lo, but he's also Kadosh. So what does Kadosh mean? Kadosh is someone who actually works on himself and turns himself into a Kli and for Usharis Piktushim. To, to serve. In other words, a Kadosh is not someone who is born, who just has this great soul. A Kadosh is someone who has worked on himself. And again, this is very in line with Arachim's philosophy in general of what it means to be a human being and to be a Jew is the great struggle. But you become a Kadosh by piercing the veil and by figuring out and then you open yourself up to that world of Kedusha that's around us and you take the strengths that are given to you then you can be called a Kadosh. So there's a lot of, there could be people walking around saying, you're low, you're really low Tashem. You're meant to be for God. There's just something great about you. But you're not a Kadosh. Right? And therefore, a kodosh is part of, in terms of avoda. Rashi, on the same problem, says that asasher lo is the levian. And that really fits in, because lo, levi, it sounds like, yeah, um, my life is given over to Hashem. The kodosh, Rashi says, is the idea of kahuna, which is something we can't figure out. Right? A, a levi eats miser, which, uh, it's true, it's a lot of money, but it's basically chulin. Right? That's what it is. It's exactly Hulu. He can now give it to anyone. No way. He can now give it to anybody. True. He gets... He isn't... He's, he's not meant to go work. He's not meant to, to have land and to be a farmer. But basically, what he gets is Hulu. What he gets is basically not holy stuff. He gets a tzedakah, a certain tax, and that's the way he lives. He's got a job. He's got to be in the base of Mikdash. He's the security guard saying, what's going on over there? Yeah, come on. Yeah, get out of here. This is right. Yeah, right? That's his thing. You know, he's... It's an important job because we want the Kedusha, the base of Mikdash, to be there. But again, yeah, he's part of the singing. He's part of the exaltation of what's going on. He gives song to, to, the, to the ideas there. He can't go in there and, and, and be macabre dam. He can't go in there and do zrika. He's not supposed to touch the carbon and, and put it on top of the mizbeach. He can't do the holy stuff. That's what Rashi says. He's asher lo. Yes, he knows. You're a levy, son. And that's what Levium do. Yes, that's what we are. We are for the people. We are servants. Yes. But what about that? Those are the holy men. Those are the kedusha. Those is hakadosh. That's the kohanim. Yeah. What do they eat? They eat truma. Can I eat truma? No. If you eat truma, you're dead. <laughs> yeah? Right. You're chayiv misa. But a kohen, he's kadosh. The food is kadosh. It's kedusha. That's the way Rashi says. So according to, again, Rashi is really, ar- or Archaim is really arguing with Rashi here. Because Archaim is actually putting it the reverse. Kadosh doesn't mean that special metagene of, uh, of, 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 of kahuna. Kadosh is really, look at the Archaim says, is how you're makadosh yourself and you make yourself a Kli Roy Usharis Bekodesh. Okay, so, basically... He's taking What? He's taking Well, he's saying that Aaron is the Kodosh. In other words, it's going to be shown that Aaron is the Kodosh. First of all, it's actually, it's actually, it's actually not what Korach is saying. 
Korach is saying, Kol Eidah Kulam Kedosh Metocham Hashem. What did Rashi say? Where did that come from? From Har Sinai? Aaron's been doing this for 80 years. Not 80 years, but Aaron's been doing this for many, many years. In Mitzrayim, when Moshe Rabbeinu was out there having the adventures, you know, Aaron was in Mitzrayim. Aaron was the one who was the first Navi that was told to try to, uh, you know, to work with the Jewish people. Aaron, Aaron is the Kodosh. He's the one that, um, that has made himself into the Kli. Kiddush Atzmova also Kli Roy Musharis Bekodesh. So therefore, the uh, Archaim goes on. Vehikriv Lomar. Hikriv. Shekvar Hikrivo Vehishashkinasu Yodo. Therefore, and that's the reason why he was able to have that Shrosashkina happen. The, the, the God's presence to be with the Jews in the Mishkan because of that person. He was the combination of Esasher Lo, Esakodosh. Now, you want to know the way our system works? He says, Esasher Yivchar Bo Yakrav Lov. Im Yeshruim Kiyotze Ba'arun Lamed Gamkin Washaris Yakrav Lov. There's no, it's not so much the way like Rashi says, we only have one person in our system. Rashi says that Moshe's response to them was, you guys are saying this based on um, uh, 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 Zara. If you take a look at Rashi, page 822, he says, He says, He says, He says, You've got, Korach, uh, this sounds to me, somehow you were either you've been reading National Geographic or it's from, uh, it's from what you remember in Mitzrayim, somehow this system that you have is really an Avodah system. That every, a whole bunch of people involved. He says, We only have one Hashem, one Torah, and therefore only one Kohen Godel Echad. We can only have one Kohen Godel. That's the way it is. That's, it, it's, it's logical. It flows Hashem, Moshe says from the idea of Hashem Echad, it flows logically to say it's all one person. One, one Torah, one Mizbeach, one Kohen. What you're wanting here is, is a bunch of people helping and serving and different times together. That goes against the idea even of Hashem Echad. That's what Rashi says. The Rachayim is saying that Moshe is telling them, okay, it isn't because there can only be one. The point was, there is only one who can do it. And you'll see tomorrow, if there's other people who can do it, then Hashem will Yaakov love. If there are others who could combine this amazing combination that Aaron has of Asher Lo and HaKadosh, then you're right, you'll see that. But there is no one here better. Okay. A long circular aside. That was part of what was going on here. Korach was saying, who says he's so special? Shmuel is saying Hashem made back in 1186 now. Shmuel is saying that Hashem made Moshe and Aaron. Making, meaning they were special from who they were and they were the only ones that could have done it. Nobody else. So here's Shmuel, Korach's descendant, affirming the correctness of, 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 of what really Moshe was saying. Right? Of course, he adds, Moshe doesn't speak about himself. Moshe speaks about his brother. But Shmuel speaks about both of them. So I think that to me, that's a little bit more satisfying. A reason why we read uh, the Torah is to see that, you're right, this wasn't greatness that Korach saw. 
And one of the reasons Korach lived was in order to produce this man. But part of what this man was saying was, you're having a king now, but the, the idea of your king has got to be a Moshe and Aaron type king. Because the same way as Shmuel continues on page 1186, he says, um, Uh, actually, uh, in the bottom, but you know what? Hashem Hashem is your king. Moshe and Aaron are all about Hashem Melech. And therefore, uh, their selflessness, and, and they were actually created to be that. Um, that, in a sense, is really what Moshe and Aaron said to Korach here, Shmuel affirms that message. And he realizes that the ones who made that possible were Moshe and Aaron. They're the ones, we need to look to Moshe and Aaron to have a real sense of leadership. Because their leadership is so selfless, so much connected to Hashem being the Melech, that any king we do have, we need to always put into perspective those two. Um, and that's why Shmuel mentions that. It doesn't really answer Gary's question, which is why Shmuel talks about his selflessness. I don't have a good answer to that right now, but I think that might be a, 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 a to me, at least more satisfying. It, it doesn't, there's no venting going. I mean, it's not, that's not the reason why we're looking at it. Um, I think another connection to the Haftorah, which uh, if you go on there, you see that the people were actually um, affected by what Shmuel was saying. I mean, they expected a big victory party, and Shmuel raked them in the coals a little bit. And Vilkom Posek Yidawad, he says, if you, in Tiru Hashem, page 1187, if you'll fear Hashem, and you serve Him, and you shmatem bekolo, well, samru is pi Hashem, v'yisim gama tem, v'gama melech Hashem moloch aleichem, achar Hashem molochechem. Obviously, Moshe and Aaron's selflessness meant that, who, that whoever was the actual leader it was all going after the will of God and that's the way you should be true he's your king I'm not saying that I anointed him but it's all about Hashem in the end which is a simple but sometimes a message we lose um, and obviously if you don't listen to Hashem <laughs> so clearly um, this will this is a very strange Pesach look at, look, look at it one more time Pesach Tezvav if you don't listen to the Kol Hashem and you uh, you are Marisim is Hashem, the Oisei Yad Hashem Bochem Uba Avoseicha. I mean, what does that mean? The, the people in the nursing homes? I mean, the people that like, like, right? you and your old fathers do, right? It sounds like um, if you do this, then you continue the Chet of the Dor Hamidbar. In other words, if you don't listen to Hashem, then the punishments that come out to you are really just a reliving of the punishments that were meted out here, which is what Shmuel was saying. What leadership is about and what we're really after, then it's just, again, it's just a rehashing of the Dora Midbar. The Yad will be against you the same way it was against your forefathers. And really, you are your forefathers again. I mentioned here a couple of times that Sefer by Midbar is about us, right? I mentioned here a couple of weeks ago, based on the Kliyokra, that Sefer is about, is about, Bamidbar is really about, it's really our history. And therefore, you know, we're always called back. These Chatoyim these and this whole thing is really always a, a mirror uh, to who we are. 
and it's not surprising, therefore, that uh, it's not surprising, therefore, that Shmuel should say that when you do go against Hashem and don't learn that lesson, then once again, it's the Dora Midbar again. You become the Dora Midbar. You are the Dora Midbar one more time. You are your Avoseicha. Okay, which is really, again, the lesson that Shmuel understands. Okay. Okay, that's another way to explain. I don't know if we're disagreeing. I think the point is, is that yes, this is this is something that speaks to us. It's something we always have to struggle with. Um, and part of it is because of what Saint Midbar is. It's about you know knowing that, that we want to do the right thing, but being totally convoluted and perverted about how we want to get that right thing done. And 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 and. We re We are forced to uh, to to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we are, but again, in, in a certain sense, we are the others. You know, we are those six hundred thousand base souls. We are those same people, in some way. Parts of us. We're all really those people again. Anyway, that. So it is. And again, this to me again is a very important point that Shmuel was making. Um, this, and then I thought a third thing that again, would explain the connection, is Pasuk Tezayin. You're about to see something that Hashem is going to do that's great and amazing. Everyone sees. Everybody can see that we're all gathering the wheat here. It's a good harvest time. It's the, it's the good old, you know, late spring, early summer. Uh, page 1187. Um, Interesting. also They were also standing, you know, so firmly, and you are going to be mitzvah and see what that Hashem is going to yitain There's going to be a huge rain. There's going to be thunder, and you'll see. This request, not to have God, but to have the intermediary, to have this Melech was indeed wrong. We've acted upon it. We've responded to it. We've come up with a system that we've given you the crutch, but you should see that this was going against Hashem. And therefore, on that very same day, the Kolos and Mutter came out, and great fear was inserted to, in the Jewish people from God and Shmuel. Please, Davin, Davin for us to Hashem. Your God, in other words, you you know him better than we do. The Al Nomus, let's not die. We clearly did something wrong. Okay, I don't even have to. I think spell out. This is a definitely a parallel to a of Moshe Rabbeinu calling on Hashem, calling to open up uh, the earth, right? Calling up by Tiftas PRs. Now you think about it. Oh, come on. One thing you need. I mean, that's. A special effects extravaganza, right? That's the, the earth opening up and closing. I mean, that's amazing, right? Uh, uh, rain, okay, come on. Summer, right? summer in Israel, you never get rain. Right, okay, you're right. That's what the Radak says, that it was very unusual for there to be rain. But, it, it, again, I, I think the parallel needs to be talked about. 
Shmuel, just like Moshe Rabbeinu, is now calling on God to prove his point and say, listen, right? So Moshe calls on, Moshe, what Moshe gets is something over the top. Moshe gets the $35 million budget special effects thing, right? You know, and Shmuel gets the Ed Wood version, you know? He gets the thing, right? The rain out, bringing out the water, right? Right? You know? Yeah, I understand, but again, think about it. Moshe's in the midbar. He's getting something that has never happened. No one has ever died that way. Moshe says himself, I, I mentioned this every year, Moshe says, Moshe says, if they all have a heart attack when I snap my fingers, I'm lying. I'm not the Shriach of Hashem. If I, even if I snap my fingers and they all die, right, and they all come down with, you know, Ebola virus, flailing, but it isn't going to be there's other people who died of Ebola virus. No, it's got to be a type of death that nobody ever died this way. Right? And Ebenezer says, hey, you know, Ebenezer, who was quite uh, a Moscow, he understood the world. He says, there have been, there have been whole countries that have been, have fallen uh, with earthquakes and stuff like that. So, what Ramban says, yeah, but the idea of actually of being alive, going down alive, and having the earth close up after them, that never happened. So this is, this is something Moshe's calling in the, the, the grandest death of, that any person has ever had, that no one has ever died this way. And this is the old, this is the sign. Anything less might indicate that Moshe isn't the Shliach of Hashem. Obviously Shmuel doesn't have that intention because that's not really the point. The point, of course, for Shmuel is to say, realize that we <coughs> the Chachamim understand when you go wrong and that when we're telling you this it isn't just all flowery words this was indeed something wrong similarly <coughs> the Parsh of Korach was indeed a, a Chet that like we were saying could come back could, could be there could once again affect us the, it wasn't just a way to kill Dos and Bavira the opening of the ground and, 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 and the death that happened there. In a way, it's the reality that something, we opened up a nerve ourselves. We sort of opened up this ripping uh, in ourselves and the response was, yes, the arts opens up. We have a way to deal with it, like, like Shmuel does. Shmuel says, this was wrong and you can see that it was. But it's okay, so what are we supposed to do? So <coughs> Shmuel says, you know what? He says, Al tiru, It was wrong. But you know what? Life continues. You can't, you know, they're saying, oh please, we don't want to die. You know, you know what? I, I, I'm not trying to kill you. It's not about a punishment. This is about for you to know that what you did changed the history of the way the world is going to happen. We're going to have a melech, and there's going to be excesses, there's going to be violence, there's going to be civil war, there's going to be strife. That's going to happen. And you know what? <clears throat> that isn't going to change. However, on the other hand, do what you can to serve God. The die has been cast. This rain that happened, you see, it was true. It wasn't fake. It wasn't special effects. It was real rain and storms. Yes, things are wrong. But do what you need to do. I think in a similar sense, if we look at this and then we compare it to the amazing event of, of, of Moshe Rabbeinu in Barshas Korach, we say, yes, it isn't just about 
It isn't over. It isn't over when that thing seals up. And it isn't over. It was. It happened. And you know what? This was wrong. This was a trump. This was the Sirchon Revi, like Rashi says. This really, again, Moshe, Akash Baruch was ready to kill out, and seemingly, according to the Rachayim, Akash ready to kill out all Klal Yisrael again. As, 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 as I mentioned earlier, you know, he says, I'm going to kill these, I'm going to kill them all out. Everybody was really going to die. Well, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to salvage that. And again, but everybody who saw that happen realized that what had really opened up was something, a, 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 a horrible gaping problem within them. And I think, if, if you really take a look at, uh, back in Parshas Korach now, in, um, where that happens, you'll see on page 826, Pasuk the Jewish people that were around, the ones that had felt some connection to Korah, the ones that somehow were hoping for, who knows what to happen, I mean, like, like the Mephorshim say, yes and no, it wasn't that they had actually gone over totally to Korach, but you never know, I mean, could be the underdog will win, and could be Korach will come out, I mean, there was a certain anticipation, excitement, like Rashi says, they liked his comedy routine, they liked the fact that Korach was like, Korach was able to get all these people to get up real early, and to be there first thing in the morning, he had a huge crowd out there, Korach did an all-nighter, he did like the Wayne Newton, I mean, he was out there, I mean, he did an all-nighter thing, I mean, he got every, well, Wayne Newton, I mean, Maybe it was a her buddy, we should say. Like he was able to, he got up there the whole night. He was able to. It was a terrible You know what? They had a great comedy show. Karl was going around telling them these great stories about how he, uh, the medrash says, what's on? Yeah, he was getting them into it. He said, it's not about me. Come on, I'm, let me tell you the story about this old widow friend that I know. Showdown at the OK Corral. Oh, yeah, they had a Because I'll say it wasn't about that. You know, showdown, everyone's going to go to sleep out there, right? But they get a whole bunch of people listening and interested. Korak had to do great PR stuff with humor, with effects, right? That's what Rashi says, that he did it with humor. He was able to get them interested. But different what's on us. A guy gets up there, you know, I should know, right? But a guy gets up there, he says some jokes, he gets some ideas. It's very serious stuff we're talking about, but you know what? I like what the guy has to say, because, you know, he's humorous. He's not taking himself so seriously. He's making a joke about it. But then, I don't realize, and before I know it, he's got me. Because with that, with that, with, with that eye, with that joke, with that, with that shtuch about the old widow that the Medrash says, who tried her best to, to live a good Jewish life, and every single, every single turn, Moshe and Aaron were there grabbing all their stuff. Oh, they have a right, they have a field, and uh, Moshe and Aaron are there taking up trumas, meisters, every single thing they want. They they they, they buy sheep, and Aaron is there with the racist I guess and give me some of that stuff, right? Then they want to shecht the the widow gives up and says, okay, I'm just going to shaft this animal. Okay, hey, there's the tax for the, uh, you know, the Zerol Echayim and the Keva, this, uh, the other stuff that has to go in, even from an animal that's cool and that goes to the Kohanim. This was the story. This was Korach's comedy spiel. He went around saying it. It's not about me. This whole system is bad. And everyone said, yeah, yeah, it makes some sense, right? And everybody was showing up there. So there's a lot of people there. Whether they really were on Korach's side or not, it hurt enough that there was an element there that, you know what, they wanted the stuff to to continue. They didn't stop Korach. They didn't beat him up. They let the thing happen. They stood there on the sidelines. All that stuff was really enough for Hashem to say, you know what? All you people are high. We're going to destroy you all. 
and that's what it says they ran away they said what's going to happen to us too even though it had closed off they all felt you know what it's going to happen to us too they were running so the Kliokram has a very good point I don't know if our answer answers this he says it should have said that they ran away because of the haunting sound a little right? that was so haunting and horrible when they heard it coming down they just ran away out of fear it doesn't say that it says they ran they ran towards the voice right? should have said right? obviously this is not the greatest question in the world you could say Lamed here means because of but it should have said they ran away because this haunting screaming of Korach going down there was just too much for them and they just had to run away so Kliyaka says maybe they actually the Gemara says in Sanhedrin that uh, Kodesh Baruch Hu said uh, that, that, that they are still alive and they are saying Moshe Emes Vitoroso Emes Vehem Badai the Kibbutz Nagon says the Gersa is Va'onu Badai and that we are liars fantasizers so what they were saying was Moshe is Emes Torah is Emes but we're liars about what we just said Right. we're still lying we're still fantasizing this is the famous word from the Vilna Gom so the Kuyokar says they were coming to hear that in other words the Jewish people who sensed yeah pen or something has opened up here that, is really, that can really affect us they actually came they were running away from where they were to hear the Musr they were running away from this that affects every one of us that's really under authority. Every single one of us that has an authority situation could really be suspicious, could really suspect. There's a certain imperiousness that comes along with authority that rents people to say, you know, who says he's so great? I could do it better. There's nepotism. There's all this stuff. It's almost, it's almost uh, uh, part and parcel of being an employee almost is the suspicion and part of being a, 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 someone shepherded by a leader that always says the, you know, the Briskorovs the, the Beis Halevi said you know it says because that's the tendency the tendency is to curse out the leader there's always a tendency he says when, that's really the, where our Yetz Sahara is when it comes to leadership that's why when it's dealing with the Nasi it says this leader don't curse him because that's where you're thinking about right? it's not about hatred it's about totally dismissing him because he's just not worthy Klal Yisrael saw themselves running away from that Likolom to hear what uh, Korach and his crew were saying and I think what they could really be saying is, is that you know, Moshe Emes Betarosa Emes and what we are are fantasists we are, it's all Dimyon take Musa from us in many ways a lot of what we do it's because we're Badoyim we, we, we have created some sort of fantasy sense of, 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 of 
who they are and persecution complexes and other things like that. Onu badoy. Badoy means that we are inventors. We invent. We invent a whole construct, and that's really what Korah recognized, and that's why, in a sense, we need to call Yisrael Asher Svivoseim. We have to actually run towards that and hear that message. I understand that really this is something that, that, that we need to emphasize, otherwise this could really spring up by us again. I have to cut it short, so I've got to run back to Shiv Zakaiz.